and bonjour all you gardening cats and gators. Welcome to the June 1st of June. It's June 2nd, but this is the first show of June of Garden with Cisco. So thanks a lot for tuning in. I don't know where the time goes. My puppy Izzy is seven months old now. She seems like we're just bringing her home, cuddling her in our lap. Uh, seemed like yesterday, but oh la la. Hey, so I want to say hi to a lot of folks out there. Hey, first, uh, Ginger Knutson, all the people that came to our, the party at her beautiful garden. Uh, it was a party for the Seattle Garden Club because they were naming a new uh, Gardener of the Year. And I once got named that by them, which I'm very honored about. And so they invited me to come to the party. It was fantastic. And then a whole bunch of us went over to the Dunn Garden, which is right next to Ginger's house. And Beth Weeder, the executive director, gave us a tour to Dunn Garden. Oh, la, la. If you haven't ever seen Dunn Garden, it's fantastic. It's a beautiful garden. And um, so the tour was just wonderful and quite a bit of fun. So, Ginger, thanks for inviting me. Uh, they they uh, gave a, a new woman was named the Gardener of the Year, but I didn't know who she was, and I never caught her name. So, <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, and then all you folks that came to my house on the Plant Amnesty Tour, so, you know, at a plant amnesty event, they auctioned off a tour of Mary and My Garden to help plant amnesty. And uh, so a whole bunch of folks came down from Port Townsend, and uh, it was really a lot of fun getting to know you folks and lead you on the tour. A couple of old friends there, too. And uh, I'm so happy that Izzy didn't even jump on the table and steal anybody's food. It was a miracle. <laughs> She must be getting to be a better girl. Hey, and uh, hey, Claire and friends from the Seattle Rock Garden Society. It was really fun showing you my garden, too. So that was really great getting to know some of you folks. And uh, hey, a big uh, congratulations, congratulations, pardon me, to Janice Murphy. So uh, Janice uh, worked at Seattle U for almost the whole time I was at Seattle U and stayed much longer after I left. And she uh, managed and ran the environmental program there. So she, uh, you know, made sure that uh, they used the the most uh, environmentally friendly organic methods to deal with pests on the campus and if you've seen the campus, it's absolutely gorgeous. So she did a fantastic job. And I just hope that now that she's leaving, somebody else uh, carries that carries that mantle on because uh, Seattle U is really a cool place. You know, it was uh, when I was there, I'm proud to say it was one of the first campuses in the United States to go organic. And um, we used... We didn't even use herbicides to maintain the campus. And I still, I don't think they do it all now. And a lot of that is thanks to Janice. So uh, Janice, uh, you say you're retiring, but all that means is you're going to work twice as hard for no pay because you'll be involved in every possible good cause there is. (laughs) Congratulations and a wonderful person. So. Enjoyed working with her so much. Hey, uh, 
I am going to be today at the Edgewood Nursery at 2 p.m. So all you folks in Edgewood, uh, the Edgewood Nursery is at 11,036th Street East in Edgewood. So uh, I, I could be a teensy bit late if traffic's really tough, but I should be there pretty darn close. So uh, And... Uh, they're going to have some drawings to give away beautiful baskets, and I'm sure we'll be giving away some. At least they'll have great deals on potting soil and fertilizer. So, uh, And uh, they're going to let me give away a bunch of plants, and I got a Gardening with Cisco t-shirt, just one, I'm going to give away in out in my car. And I think I'll give away one of my books, too. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Edgewood Nursery, 11,036th Street, Edgewood. And around 2 o'clock, <laughs> I'll be answering your garden questions, showing you some cool plants. Hey, then, I'm anxious to see all you Skagitonians. Uh, I'm going to be at a special fundraiser breakfast, given the keynote address. Uh, and that is Wednesday, June 6th, at 7.15 a.m. So if you're interested in going this to help preserve farmland... Uh, you got to RSVP before you go. The, the uh, event is at the Emanuel Baptist Church in Mount Vernon at 7.15 a.m. <laughs> Wednesday on June 6th. So if I don't oversleep, I'll be there. And uh, it should be a lot of fun. So if you're interested in going to that, just go to Cisco.com and go to my talks page, and you can click on it and find out what to do. And then next Saturday, June 9th at 2 p.m. right after the show, I'm going to be having a lot of fun at Sorticulture. So Sorticulture, if you've never been there, it's held at Legion Park in Everett, and that's at Alverson and West Marine View Drive over in Everett. And it is one of the best garden art and uh, plant shows that I've uh, ever seen. It's just really fun. All kinds of garden artists, all kinds of uh, plant people, they're selling plants. So it's a lot of fun. And even though Mary says, if I add one more piece of garden art in our garden, I'll have gone over the edge. (laughs) I can't resist. I bet you I'll come home with something. So, uh, all right. Uh, let me see if the, oh, there's one other thing I just want to let you know about, and that that is uh, the Secret Gardens of Lake Forest Park are having their big uh, uh, garden tour and plant sale on June 16th, Saturday, June 16th. Every year for I can't remember how long I've been there and been part of that, but this year my schedule just wouldn't allow it, and I can't be there, and I'm so disappointed. But it's a great uh, garden tour, a fantastic plant sale, and that's at the Lake Forest uh, Park Town Center down in the bottom. And uh, so you could buy tickets in advance, so just click on that. That's in my events page <laughs> in uh, Gardening with Cisco. So, uh, so lots of fun things going up, and I hope I see lots of you at Edgewood Nursery. We are going to give away some really cool stuff today, so it's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Hey, I see we've got already a lot of people on the line. We're going to take a break. Uh, 
when I come back, if you want to call in and get in line, uh, it's one 973 Cairo. Hey, right back, 97.3 Cairo FM. This is Gardening with Cisco on the all-new Cairo Radio Weekends, brought to you by PacificTopsoil.com and Moldax in Woodenville. Ooh la la. Here's Cisco. Hey, and by the way, I forgot to tell you that Edgewood Nursery, it's quite a party out there today, so you can come out and have a free hot dog <laughs> as long as they last, so you better eat them quick, because when I get there, there may not be any left after a few minutes, so... <laughs> So lots of festivities. Hey, all right. We are going to the phones right now. Hey, Chris and Kirkland, welcome to Gardening with Cisco. Hi, Cisco. How are you doing? Hey, just fantastic. Hope you are, too. We are. Can't complain today. Hey, I've got a question about a, a dogwood that's out in our uh, front yard. It's, it's an older dogwood, probably 40 feet tall in a house we've had for about three years here. And this dogwood seems to lose what is maybe a third to a half of its leaves about this time every year. And they've got these little brown spots on them. Yep. Uh, kind of looks like a fungus of some sort, maybe. Any yep. idea what, what it's caused by and what I can do to prevent it? Yeah, so I think you have a native dogwood growing in your garden, which is you don't see too many of those. And the reason you don't is because this disease is wiping them out. So you've got a disease called dogwood anthracnose, which is a fungus. Yeah, and it's so the only it's too late already for this year to do anything about it. If okay. you if you love this tree and are willing to fork out the bucks, because you'd have to have a professional spray company come, they could spray that, but they have to time it perfect. They have to spray right when the buds open for the leaves to grow. And, or and early, early spring. Really early spring. And if, if you're too late, the fungus gets in and you can't do a thing about it. And uh, the other problem is that's not the last spray. You got to do it again about every two weeks until it stops raining. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so is this something that will eventually suffocate the tree is kind of going from the crown down is is it not gonna not gonna last long if we don't do that yeah it's hard to say you know uh but it wipes out it's wiped out a lot of the native dogwood trees and some you know live for a pretty darn long time with this disease others it just starts they you get a lot of twig die back and things and eventually weakens the tree to the point where it's just not making enough food to sustain itself. And at that point, it starts, you're going to notice branches falling, things like that. And then you're going to be going, you know what, we got to get this tree out of there. So it's a hard, it's a hard, hard to say whether, you know, I suspect that, you know, that tree's been growing there all those years with nobody treating it. So it's probably going to last for a while longer. Yeah, it's just it's looking less and less attractive every year, but love to get it back to health again. That's yeah. interesting. Well, if you if you spray, you'd have to do it every year. 
So got it, and, and for multiple weeks every year. Yeah, <laughs> and so at some point you may go, you know, an ornamental dogwood would sure look nice there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm not about to get a bucket lift and spray it. So yeah, you know it's <laughs> that's ju- helpful information. Yeah. So I hope that helps anyway with decisions. But one thing, if you ever do decide to put an ornamental dogwood uh, somewhere near that area, uh, when you do, you want to get a Korean dogwood, Cornus Kusa, not Cornus Florida, not the pink flowering dogwood, because they they get the disease. Okay, okay. Okay. Well, that's that's great to know, Cisco. I really, really appreciate your help. All right, good luck. See you, Chris. Thank you. Okay, cool. bye. All right, and um, just, okay, I think we got time. Let's go to uh, Tina in Kent. Hey, Tina, what's happening? Hi, Cisco, how are you? Oh, fantastic. Well, for the first time in my gardening life, I planted... Brussels sprouts. Oh, right. so I want your secret for growing them beautifully and healthy. Okay. So when did you put them in? I put in the start about two weeks ago. Uh, it had been in my greenhouse for about two and a half weeks. When okay. I planted it, the start was about six inches tall. All right. And what do you know what? A variety of Brussels sprout it is? You don't have Whatever to. Whatever the store had. Okay. I have no idea. <laughs> don't worry about it. All right, here's the thing now. Uh, did did you fertilize when you planted it? Yes. Okay. I have very good soil. All right, great. So as long as it's grown healthy, I wouldn't fertilize it again. If you over-fertilize Brussels sprouts... What happens is the sprouts get real loose, and uh, they just don't get tight like you want them to. So first thing, no more fertilizer unless you start seeing leaves, new leaves looking really little, something like that. Then uh, keep them, you know, reasonably well watered. You don't want them to dry out and droop. That's the main thing. Now, here's the real key, and this is so important. And that is, now, if everything goes well and they start to form sprouts, around the time that happens, you want to have a hose with a nozzle out there in your garden. Because what happens is aphids get under the leaves on uh, Brussels sprouts and nobody sees them. And so when the sprouts start to form, the aphids whip into the sprouts. And you get a lot of extra protein if you don't do something about that right away. (laughs) My wife saw what came out of them when I put them in salt water, and that was the last time I think she's ever eaten a Brussels sprout. (laughs) So what you want to do is about the time that they seem to be forming sprouts, and it can vary, you want to be blasting the bottom of the leaves off, holding the plant with one hand, and start with a gentle spray and up the ante and blast aphids off the leaves or squeeze them off with your finger. Anything you can okay. do, don't let aphids get into those sprouts. Because if that happens, and you got to do it pretty often, too, because uh, otherwise, you know, the trouble could come. It, they come back a mm-hmm. few times. So if you can prevent that from happening, then all you got to do is just, you know, keep watering and, uh, you know, maybe check for aphids now and then. 
And if all goes well, they're going to form some nice Brussels sprouts in the fall. By about the end of September, if there's lots of Brussels sprouts, but they're not getting very big, you can pinch off the top of your Brussels sprout plant. And sometimes that makes more energy. Go to the Brussels sprouts and they'll get bigger. Okay. When do you harvest? Well, I usually harvest when they're a good size. But if you wait until they're hit by a light freeze, they're way sweeter. So if okay. you can, and usually they, you can wait a long time with those. So the, the problem is okay. sometimes they don't form sprouts. And if I don't know why sometimes they don't. If it's too hot out, they don't like heat. Okay. Then they won't form sprouts. Happens to the best I, of them. <laughs> I planted them near, so to speak, my regular broccoli. Are the aphids going to go onto the broccoli? It rarely happens. I almost never see okay. those aphids on broccoli. They're, they're, they are very discerning. They like Brussels sprouts better. Okay. <laughs> hey, I'm so sorry okay. I have to run, but that was a fantastic Thank question. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, bye, Tina. All right, right back, 97.3 Cairo Fem. You're listening to Gardening with Cisco on the all-new Cairo Radio Weekends. Oh, I wanted to say I'm excited to see a lot of you folks from the Arboretum in our kind of private tour of some great Broadmoor Gardens. So uh, all you folks that uh, are involved in that auction winner, I can't wait to see you. All right, so uh, right now Hannah is on the line over in Paul's Bowl. Hey, Hannah, how are you? Hey, Cisco. Great to talk to you. Thanks for being there. Hey, thank you. So my question is, is I've got a, I bought a place, uh, I've got a yard, and it's got a big old cherry tree, and I've got hundreds of little cherry trees growing oh. all over the grass, <laughs> oh. and how do I get rid of them? Well, you know, so the first question is, I wonder if they're coming up from cherry tree roots or if they're seedlings. And I don't know because I'm new to this property uh, okay. and I do, don't know which one it is, but I would suspect looking, I could guess it's seeds from old cherry seeds because it doesn't look like anybody ever picked them. Okay. But I don't know that. You know, sometimes, sometimes the roots of cherries don't go deep in the ground at all. And if you don't have great soil, they're right under the surface or at the surface. And what you'll see is that uh, there's suckers coming up off those roots. I see that all the time, much more often than I see seedlings come up. Now, it could be seedlings. I'm not saying it isn't. But uh, so <clears throat> so I think uh, if it's if they're coming up on roots... What you have to do is saw the roots back closer to the tree, back behind where they're coming from, and pull the root out. And that's a real pain. So what most people do, most people just keep cutting them off forever. (laughs) And nothing stops them from coming back. So now, if it's seedlings, then, see, because you can't, you can't spray anything if they're suckers, because if you do, it would go into the roots and kill your tree. If it's if it's just seedlings coming up, so you could pull them and they have roots on them, 
So you could dig uh-huh. a couple out and see if they're attached to the roots or just seedlings. I just pulled one out while we're talking, and it's got a root. Okay. It's so, got roots attached to each other. Oh, good. Well, are most of them pretty little? Yeah. I keep mowing them down, but they're get you know, the things are getting thicker and thicker yeah. in the grass. What I, what I would do, because it's going to take a really powerful spray to kill these things, so what I would do would be I would hire some uh, day labor folks. And I'm not sure over in your neck of the woods over there in Powell's Bowl, but I'm sure there's probably a, a, something like the Millionaire Club over there. And you can hire yeah. these people, rent some good shovels and picks, <laughs> get get something, <laughs> uh, get something called the Maddox. Those are the best tools for digging out things like this. Just have them yeah. dig them all out. Okay. And then okay. <laughs> from now on, whenever you see one come up, you could just pull that out because right. they'll be little and easy. But right now, this can be a lot of work. I mean, you could do it if you want, but I think I'd hire somebody to help me. Sounds like a summer job for a good young person. Yeah, yeah. Hey, if you got any <laughs> tough teenagers or in your you know neighborhood, put them to work, you know. Get, promise them a really good Brussels sprout casserole. They'll be there. <laughs> oh, that, that, that'll, that'll, that'll him get them. Sure. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Thank you so much, Cisco. It's great talking to you. Uh, great talking to you, Hannah. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. All right. We're going to Jeff in Auburn. Hey, Jeff. Welcome. Hi, Cisco. Welcome. I mean... Greetings from beautiful Auburn. It's a great day out here. Hey, great. Yeah, it's a beautiful day. It's going to be fun giving a garden talk this afternoon. For sure. Hey, listen, um, here's my question. About hey. 10 years ago, my wife bought, and I bought a property in Auburn. It's kind of heavily hilly and forested, and we kept all the uh, firs and big leaf maples, and we got rid of all the 10-foot-high blackberries, and we're turning it into kind of an arboretum. We've planted hundreds of perennials and trees, red maples. Wow. Uh, but here's my question. Um, we planted three uh, hornbeam trees on, on a slope that I bought on a whim one day at the hardware store. Uh-huh. And they're pretty trees. Yeah. Uh, and this spring I went out, and I noticed that two of them have been barked for about the bottom foot or foot and a half of the tree. All the bark has been all the way, All the way off. around the base? All the way around the base. Holy cats. And I started to read about it, and uh, a friend of mine who also has a forested uh, uh, property uh, suggested that it could have been a mountain beaver. Now, this friend shall remain nameless because he <laughs> trapped the mountain beaver. Uh-huh. We won't talk he's, about he's that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's in federal way. Uh-huh. Uh, but I've also, I've also read on a website that sometimes in the winter, rabbits can yeah. eat the bark yeah, off Yeah, I was going to say rabbits was going to be my first, uh, because rabbits are going nuts in our area. Everywhere yeah. I go, people are going, there's rabbits everywhere. And I saw one... Yeah. In the house next to us yesterday, so yes. yeah, so uh, it could well be rabbits. Now I don't well, know. You know, we have uh, several resident rabbits, and for one, uh, one of the reasons is that some of the uh, vacant land around here has been developed into housing tracks, and therefore the rabbits are trying to yeah. find somewhere else to yep. live. Yeah, 
And you know that each female rabbit has 18 young a season? <laughs> so you got, when you got rabbits, you got lots of rabbits quick. You know, uh, the, I don't know if it's going to kill your trees or not, oh. because um, if they bark them all the way around, it could be they're going to die, but it may not. They may not have gone deep enough to do it. Well, because so far, the foliage this year that came out looks healthy just like good. before. Good, good. I think you're all right, but you got to stop them quick. And so... Now what? How? Well, other how? than buying a wiener dog, <laughs> <laughs> other than that... You got to put uh, like chicken wire around the tree, okay. so you're and I put it up, you know, fairly high, and even bury it a little in the ground so they don't go underneath. And you know, if you oh, could okay. bury it six inches deep, it's not a bad idea. And then uh, chances are real good that'll put a stop to that. And you know, pretty oh, much okay. no matter what's doing it now. If something starts pulling off bark higher up, it could be squirrels, but that's very unlikely. Sometimes they steal a little to put in their nests, but I've never seen yeah. them do it to uh, a hornbeam tree. So I I suspect okay. it's rabbits. That's my guess. And I think if you put the chicken wire around, uh, and you're going to want to put it around the one they haven't hit yet, of course, and then, uh, and then keep an eye out because they may hit other trees now that they can't get okay. those. They might. Uh, they might. I'm worried that the hornbeams were the appetizer, and the main meal is going to be my red leaf maples. Well, it could be. <laughs> I don't know what exactly trees they eat, but they definitely do eat trees, and uh, you know the yeah. bark. And um, there's well, one, one. One website told me they like sweet trees. I don't know what a sweet tree is, but in huh. that grouping, they included maples. Uh oh, yeah. So you, I would definitely put the chicken wire around the maple and not even fool around. Okay. And I'll then uh, someday you're going to either have to get a Jack Russell Terrier or a <laughs> or a weeder dog to get control over these guys. You know. Uh, do rabbits eat Brussels sprouts? You know, I don't know because I've never had a rabbit in my back garden yet in Seattle. But uh, I'm trying to remember because we had rabbit problems like mad when I was a kid and was cheesekin. But I don't yeah. remember the rabbits getting the Brussels sprouts because that would have really made me mad. <laughs> I know. That would be infuriating. That is insult <laughs> beyond injury, you know. No way. No <laughs> doubt about it. <laughs> Hey, thanks for the help. I figured I might have to do something like that. Now, should I wrap the tree with anything? No, I don't. I don't think that'll do any good. I think I just hang on and see what happens. And I'm hoping, like mad, that new bark will fill in, and uh, okay. you'll be all right. Okay. Thanks, Cisco. All right. Good luck there, Jeff. Thanks for a really interesting call, too. Oh, good to talk to you. Bye bye. Okay, bye. All right. Hey. So when we come back, I is uh, I I don't see whose name's up there, but I think I know. So. Uh, anyway, you'll be the next up on uh, 97.3 Cairo FM. This is Gardening with Cisco on the all-new Cairo Radio Weekends. And we have, uh, oh, did Brian, we lost Brian. Okay, we've got Michelle on Whidbey Island uh, right on 97.3 Cairo FM. Hey, Michelle. 
Hey, Cisco. How are you? Oh, Michelle. Yeah, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Thank oh, you. Oh, great. <laughs> so I have a dilemma. Uh-huh. My avocado plant that I've been growing in my house for probably four years now. Uh-huh. I, I transplanted it this spring because it just was in need of a bigger pot. And I've got fungus gnats. Oh, I yeah. the other day. And I... I really don't feel like I'm overwatering it, but I guess I must be. No, if I no, up with those. It's, it's not your fault at all. It's probably the soil you used to transplant okay. it, and what was in there were these little teensy gnat larvae, little maggots, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they were eating the compost in the soil. This happens a lot. A lot of times okay. when you buy a new house plant at a nursery. Nobody yeah. knows those gnats are in there. It's not really their fault. And you bring them home, and all of a sudden it feels like fruit flies are flying all over the house. But mm-hmm. they're those little gnats. But they're luckily there's a really easy and safe way to get rid of them. Okay, okay excellent. Yeah. I'm ready. All right. So you got to go to the nursery and buy sand. So they'll have okay. some kind of sand that, you can use to make your people use it to make their own soil. So it's just a good sand. It'll come in a little package. And uh, so you bring that home. Now, here's the bad part. You got to do this to every plant in your house. Okay. So that, that can be a real pain in the kazootski. But uh, so you're going to put sand on the soil surface about. An eighth to a quarter inch deep. You just want to make sure that you can't see any soil at all when you put it on there, but you don't want it like a half inch deep anywhere near that. So here's what happens. The little little, uh, fungus gnats hatch out. They come out of the soil because they make little cocoons under the ground in there, uh, inside the pot. So they're going to fly around, and they're going to go, I got a, I got a mate, and then I got to lay eggs. So I got a new family, and I got to make sure I raise it in a nice soil with lots of compost. So it flies over to your uh, avocado plant, and all it sees is sand. And it goes, this is a sandy beach. There's no, uh, there's no compost in soil like this. I can't lay my eggs. And it works 100%. She flies around till she dies, never lays her eggs. But if you miss one of your house plants, she'll find that one and she'll lay her eggs in there, and then the problem goes oh. on. Okay. Yeah. So because at this point, <laughs> I've only got it in the avocado. That's I've looked at every other plant, and there's nothing in there. They're all in just this one. Yeah, but guess plant. what? They will be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just take some time, you know. So uh, yeah, they'll they'll find it, but. But uh, we used to have this problem at Seattle U all the time. And uh, every time we had it, we do this treatment. And it got okay. rid of the fungus gnats every time. So am I going to leave this sand on the soil yep. like forever? Yeah, or just... just leave it on there. And eventually it'll disappear. And by then you'll be well rid of the problem until you bring home another house plant or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden it starts again. I get it all the time, you know, because I'm bringing in house plants all the time, and it's, and you know what's weird about these fungus gnats? 
they only land, they only come out and land on someone's nose when you have really important company coming for dinner or something like that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, they are a royal pain in the kazutsky. But I guarantee this will get rid of them. Now, there's one thing. You might think, okay, I'm rid of them, and all of a sudden some more come. That that means there were some under the sand when you put the sand on that hadn't uh-huh. hatched out yet. So you have to, they'll die though quick because the sand's on there. They're not going to lay any eggs. And it helps if you've got a hand attachment on your vacuum cleaner. It's really uh-huh. a lot of fun to suck them up, you know. Oh, yeah. I enjoy <laughs> stuff like that. So that'll I be do great. Too. So you can <laughs> run around sucking those guys up. That'll get rid of the problem all that much quicker. Okay, now I had read online that I could mix one part hydrogen peroxide and three parts water, and that would ki- and spray it on the surface of the soil, and that would kill the larva. I don't think it kills the adults because I, it, I've tried it for a couple of days, and the adults just I don't act think like they're getting a nice shower. But I don't think it works. I don't think it works. We tried okay. all kinds of techniques. I don't remember if we used that particular one, but I found the sand was way better. Okay. Yeah, it's it's okay. totally dependable. Works a hundred percent. Do you recommend like digging down into the soil a certain amount nope. and replacing it with different soil before I put the sand nope. on? Or nah, because they're way down in there. So uh-huh. just putting the sands all you got to do. And uh, okay. when the females, they just won't lay their eggs on there. But make sure you can't see any soil at all. So about an okay. eighth inch to uh, at most quarter a quarter inch. inch. Yeah. Okay. And this is sand that I need to buy at a, a nursery. Yeah, I think if you ask them, do you got sand like people would mix into soil, something like that, they'll okay. uh, come through for you. All right. Oh, cool. Well, hey, it's Perfect. so nice talking to you. You too. <laughs> Give Mary a big hug for me and tell her, and you, I'm really looking forward to meeting Izzy here. Oh, soon, wait till okay? you meet Izzy. You're going to love her. She is the cutest thing that's ever yeah. lived on earth. Well, of course. <laughs> she looks a lot like me. It's hard to believe, but. Oh, well, then she's adorable. Hey, give Mike a big hug, too, okay? All right, take care. All right, bye, Michelle. Bye. All right. Michelle has gone on a lot of trips uh, with me and uh, and Mary and I uh, to Europe and all over the world, so it's great talking to her. All right, this show's about to bite the bullet here. Brian, I'm so sorry I didn't get to you. By the way, I wonder if people know... But uh, the Northwest Flower and Garden Show has been sold. I meant to announce that, and I forgot today. So I don't know what it means, but the show's going on. I do know that. So I know i am still got to come up with a talk for it this year. All right. Hey, AJ, thank you so much. It's been so great working with you. And, uh, hey, everybody, I hope you come out to Edgewood Nursery at 11,036th Street each at East Edgewood. We're going to have quite a party there, and someone's going to win a Gardening with Cisco t-shirt. All right, everyone, uh, get out there and do some gardening in this wonderful weather. Take your puppy for a walk, and uh, don't forget to eat your Brussels sprouts. See everybody next week. Bye.